0: Alright! How are you guys, uh, doing tonight? Awesome, awesome. Uh, so tonight we're kicking off a brand new series called Brand New. Really creative, I know, right? Um, cause the fact is, like, this is a season of newness. Um, For a lot of us, and also for SOMA, you know, God is starting to do some new things in this community. Um, As you guys can probably tell, we have a new college pastor. Give it up for Kelly McCoy. Yeah. So, like, the fact is that God also wants to do new things in you and through you. Right In Revelation 21, Jesus, uh, he, to- he tells us, Behold, I am making all things new. And that really is God's heart. God's heart is to make things new. In fact, he says that we're new creations. Right? He, he tells us that the gospel goes out into new places. Uh, that God is constantly doing brand new things in us and through us. But here's the rub, though. When-, when brand new stuff comes along, right? to get to that brand new stuff, the really cool stuff, the fun stuff, the awesome stuff, the exciting stuff. You have to go through transitions, right? So tonight I'm talking about transitions and I'm not talking about like the Kardashian kind of transitions. Um, take a second, figure that out. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not talking about that. Um, talking about life transitions, all right? So um, recently I went through a major transition myself. I went from being a regular dude. What? What the heck? <laughs> Those are two separate jokes, okay? Not the same joke. Okay. Okay, back. I went through a major transition, went from being a normal dude to being a father, to being a dad. Um, Yes. I should have just killed that joke right from the beginning. Um, Yes. So so I'm a dad now, and I've been watching my baby Shiloh go through some transitions. Um, One of the first ones was... Involving her poop, um, you know, babies when they're born, they have this poop called meconium, which is a really fancy word for poop, and it's this nasty, gooey, thick, black poop that looks like straight up like the La Brea tar pits. You know, it's like if you stick your finger in there, you might like get it stuck and sucked in, and a thousand years from now, fifth graders will be like examining your fossilized remains. Um, but like the weird thing is. Um, it's black and nasty because I, I, from what I understand, they're like eating the amniotic fluid or whatever. Some kind of, yeah, stuff that's not good. I mean, good for baby, but not good for their poop. Anyway, um, so one day she transitioned from tar pits poop to normal poop. And you would not think that I'd be so excited to see somebody poop. But like it, it was exciting. Um, better than that, her transition um, was her transition into actually smiling. Um, That was a really cool one. So it takes uh, a while for babies to actually smile. They have these like fake smiles uh, when they poop again. That's what babies do. They eat, they poop, they sleep. That's all they do. Um, So they have this, they like, it's kind of like a smile of relief. But one day she actually like really smiled. You know, Shiloh was smiling back at her when like I would smile at her. She'd smile and have this like cute little grin whenever I'd say her name. She would crack up when I would tell her jokes. Um, I mean, that's not true. Um, I would tell her jokes, but she wouldn't laugh. Um, kind of like you guys. Anyway, it's, it's awesome. Um, it's those little transitions uh, in life that are... Actually, I have a clip of that. Why don't we go ahead and show her? Yeah, that's my wife's famous snort. Um, so yeah, she goes through all these transitions, right, already, but she's going to go through some bigger ones in life, right? Um, one day she'll transition into eating solid foods. But like, what if she never makes that transition? That would be really bad, right? Like, she's 33 one day, going on her first date because I won't let her date till she's 30. Um, and the dude's taking her out to like Fleming's or Ruth's Chris or some fancy steakhouse or something. Because um, he's 33, he has like a real job. He's like a grown man at this point. Um, that's where you go on your first date. Anyway, so he orders like a big, juicy filet mignon uh, potato salad, whatever. I don't know what you ordered there. I've never been to a restaurant like that in my life. I can't afford that. Um, and he's like, okay, like, just order whatever you want, Shiloh. And Shiloh's like, mmm, like that, that sounds like a great meal. I'm going to have uh, some of your mashed peas and carrots, a warm bottle of milk, and for dessert, your finest organic fair trade applesauce. It's like what? Like, no, she, she, you have like really good food, and you're still ordering like a baby because you never made that transition. Or what if she never transitioned into riding a bike without training wheels? Right? Like in some neighborhoods, riding a bike with training wheels would kind of be kind of cool, hipster or whatever. It's like, man, that's like, that's like <laughs> such a powerful social commentary on like our society's failure to make a full-fledged leap into adulthood. And she's like, no, actually, I just don't know how to ride a real bike. Um, there goes, like, the cool hipster part of that. Or, like, even worse, like, what if she never transitions into talking, right? She's, like, at, at her first job interview, and they're, like, oh, like, Shiloh, why should I give you this job? And she's, like, goo goo gaga." It's, like, you make a convincing case that like, you're hired. Um, those are stupid examples, right? Um, but the fact is, all of us face transitions in life, right? And just, like, it would be really harmful for Shiloh if she never transitioned into eating or talking, right, it can be really harmful for us if we don't make transitions well either. And the fact is that for a lot of us in this room tonight, this is a season of transitions. Uh, for example, uh, I've been, I'm transitioning into full-time school uh, in the summer. I haven't been full-time in school without a full-time job since 2010. Um, what's the future going to hold for me? Like, what is that going to look like? Uh, transitioning from full-time ministry into only doing it a few hours a week because that was a huge part of my identity. It was a huge part of who I am. But now I'm transitioning out of that. And I know you guys are going through transitions too. And they're not any easier than that, right? Some of you are entering college for the first time. Some of you are going back to college after not having gone for a few years. Or you're moving out for the first time and you've never cooked a thing in your life, you're so bad at cooking that you ruin a cup of noodles. Like, that is how bad at cooking you are, which is actually possible. You can overcook them and they turn into mush. Um, I know. So, um, or you're transitioning in, out of a bad relationship or out of a ministry, uh, like wildlife. Like, maybe you're done serving at Wildlife and now you're looking for a new place to serve. Um, I'm not saying Soma, but like, maybe it is. Um, and you don't know what's next. So, how do you survive these transitions? Or better yet, how do you thrive in these transitions? Because if you don't figure that out, that can be as harmful as never learning to walk or to talk. Right? Failing to transition in these stages in life can put you, hold you back for years. It can really stunt your growth. So how do you thrive in transition? Peter tells us in his letter, First Peter. But before we go ahead and open that up, let's go ahead and pray. Father God, um, I just thank you that your uh, your spirit is here with us tonight. God, that your spirit uh, takes your word and applies it to our hearts. Lord, that you speak truth into our lives. God, I pray that you would just open our ears to hear what you have to say. God, that distractions would fade away. Lord, that I would fade away, and that your word um, would speak loudly and clearly and point us uh, to the goodness of Christ. Praise in Jesus' name, Amen. All right, so if you have your Bibles tonight, go ahead and open up to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Let me just um, take a minute to set this up for you guys. So the Apostle Peter, uh, same Peter that kind of walked on water but sank, uh, the guy who chopped a dude's ear off, the guy who Jesus basically called Satan, uh, denied Jesus three times, this guy is now this bold, courageous leader, and he's writing this letter to this group of churches, a bunch of churches uh, throughout Asia, sort of the Turkey-ish area. And um, in these churches, it's filled with new believers, okay? So they're not Jewish people who had come to God, right? So they're not people who had grown up going to church, hearing the Bible stories that most people coming up in the church or in the synagogue would have known, right? They're people who are hearing about God for the first time, and now they've decided to believe and to follow Jesus, right? But they're being persecuted, And eventually down the line, not in this letter yet, but down the line, persecution is going to get really bad. Basically at the same level that Christians in the Middle East face nowadays with death, humiliation, jail, all that sort of stuff. But at the time when Peter's writing, this persecution isn't at that level yet. It's more of uh, the sort of persecution that you would face here in sort of a West Coast, sort of urban, um, metropolitan, progressive environment, right? It's people looking down. On Christians. And that's partly because they're not like the rest of the people in the Roman Empire uh, because they believe that Jesus was the only way to God. See, the Romans, much like our culture today, uh, was full of pluralists, right? Basically, it's whatever works for you, my God, your God, all these gods, just you can worship whatever God you want as long as you don't tell me to worship your gods, right? And that just doesn't fly with Christians, Right? And the Christians were weird too, just about how they, how they did politics. You know, um, they, they had the emperor, the Caesar, uh, that everyone just almost blindly followed and worshipped. And they still sought the, the welfare of uh, the empire, but they wouldn't blindly follow anyone but Christ. Right? So these believers are facing this kind of persecution, this verbal abuse, getting fired, being ostracized from their families, from their friends, just being looked down upon. In general, all right? So, so, so maybe some of you here—you grew up in the church, so that's maybe not your your sort of experience. Um, you never had to make a transition into Christianity, right? Yeah, yeah. You transition into being a Christ follower because that's something that everyone has to decide on their own to do. But probably that transition wasn't abrupt. You know, it wasn't like all of a sudden jumping into a freezing cold lake. It was more of like just you're chilling in your hot tub and like. The, the temperature is getting turned up and like you're seeing it slowly like bubble up and you notice it and it's like, okay, it's getting a little hot in here. But it wasn't shocking. It wasn't this crazy transition, right? But that's not what the case with Peter's churches. The churches that Peter is talking to are people who had no understanding of the Bible before this. They had no clue who Jesus was until someone came along and preached to them. So imagine that transition, right? You, you, for your entire life, all you knew was that you worshipped Zeus or Apollo or Athena or whoever your local god was. Right? You were used to getting drunk. You were used to having sex with whoever, lying, stealing, doing all that sort of stuff. That was normal. And now you've become a tr- Christian. You've transitioned into becoming a Christian. And all of a sudden, it's like, I'm not supposed to live that way? Right? Old habits are hard to kill. So that transition wouldn't have been easy for them. Right? Or, or on the other side, think about that persecution that they faced. It was like before they came to Christ, nobody cared what God they worshipped. Right? Nobody made fun of them. They never lost their job. Their family didn't betray them or hate them. And now they're following Christ. Right? They made that transition, and it's coming at a cost. Right? So these people are going through some rough transitions. So how does Peter encourage them? First Peter 5.1, he says, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Now, peters he, he's writing specifically to the leaders in this church, right? but that doesn't mean that that doesn't apply to us either. And catch what Peter says to them. He says, I write to you as a fellow elder, as a fellow elder. First thing he says, is, hey, like, I'm going through this with you. Like, you're not alone in these difficulties. You're not alone in these transitions. Like, we're all going through this together. And guess what? I want to support you. I want to encourage you. I want to build you up in the middle of all of this. This is what real community looks like, right? I want to rally behind you and root for you as you're going through these hard times. Like, and I want you to do that for me because that's what community does, right? And we're going to need each other to make it through these hard times. But then he gets to the heart of his encouragement. And honestly, like I love this encouragement. This, this verse is like one of my favorite uh, verses when it comes to just hard times and doing ministry and serving the Lord. And Peter mentions two things that you need to know. He says, first, that we are witnesses of Christ's sufferings. We. And he says, we will share in the glory to be revealed. Right, so here's what Peter is doing to this group when he, when he writes to them. Basically, he's saying that God is saying to us in this time of transition that when the world is changing around you, you need to look back and you need to look ahead. Right? If there's anything you guys remember tonight, it's one thing you remember, and I hope you remember more than one thing, uh, it, it, it's this, that in time of transition, look back and look ahead. Look back and look ahead. Let's unpack that. Um, We're going to unpack that. But before we do that, uh, I I want to do something. Think of a transition that you might be going through right now or that you might have recently gone through. All right, take a second. Think of that. Uh, Now, what I want you to do is I want you to share with the person next to you uh, what that transition is. Okay? Take a minute to do that. Don't be scared. They probably won't bite. Okay. Yeah. All right, let's um I know it wasn't a lot of time, but can I get a couple people just to share like maybe some transitions that you might be going through? They don't have to be these crazy epic things, but like just normal life transitions. Anybody? Yeah. Yes, Melvin. I'm working at a summer camp with mm. kids. Cool. And, um, I really worked with kids before? And so past two days. Good you know, luck, man. I've been yeah. I'll do that too. Pray that you survive. Cool. Anybody else? A transition in life right now? Yes, back there, Sienna? Getting ready to build a full time job without my parents. That is a big one and a scary one. Anybody else? Kevin? Graduating and going into a full time job. Yeah, Congrats. Yes, Ashley. I just want to say that um, for me, I just want to say that um I'm a hard worker, but it's kind of hard because I'm trying to get my job.
1: Because
0: I'm, I'm getting my job soon, so hopefully I, I will get it. Yeah. So transitioning into working, that's a hard yeah. one. Um, I'm trying to work, like, trying to be good at. um Because I'm going to be here next Sunday with my friend at this. Because we, we go to Canada for tattoos. Oh, cool. So, yeah. So that's what I want to help with. Awesome. Cool. So uh, I want you guys just to hold on to that for a second. We'll come back to those. Um, now, jumping into the Bible, like what, what we just read, what did Peter tell them to look back to? Peter says, look back to the cross. He says, look back to the gospel. Why look back to the gospel? How does looking back to the gospel actually help us in transition. It's because when we look at what Jesus did for us on the cross, we see the faithfulness of God. You see, in, in the gospel, we see that God never abandons his children, ever. You know, I have this memory. Um, it's kind of sad. It's kind of funny in a way. Um, probably scarred me for life, and the evidence is that I still remember it. So I was probably about seven, and um, I remember my dad and I, he had a blue Chevy Blazer, and um, we were at Target on uh, Nordoff and Balboa. I don't know if you guys know where that's at, kind of near that Burger King uh, that's right there. And, um, <coughs> and he got into the car, like we went shopping at Target, he got into the car, and I'm like walking to the passenger side door, and I'm just waiting for him to unlock it, and he just like starts driving away. And, um, and I'm, it's like seven-year-old Waz, and I'm like, dad, 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 like, you forgot me. And, um, and he stops, like, okay, like, he, he remembered me. Um, so I, I get to the car, he stops, I reach the car, I, like, try to open it, and he just, like, points, like, at, at the door handle. He's like, open it. And I'm like, I can't. And, um, and then he, he hits the gas again, and he starts driving away again, and I'm, like, running behind his blue Chevy Blazer, um, (laughs) And he does it again, like, three times. Eventually, he just, like, lets me in. Um, and uh, the thing is, like, technically, my dad didn't abandon me. Um, but he instilled this fear in me that one day he would. I'm kidding. Um, I didn't have that fear. Um, technically, he did abandon me one, eventually. Uh, but that's besides the point. Uh, the fact is that God, uh, God never abandons his kids, right? God, uh, unlike good parents or the worst kind of parents, God never forsakes his children, right? Especially when they find themselves in a rough spot, like a transition, right? So how does the gospel remind us of that? The gospel tells us that while we were still sinners, that while we ran from God, that while we decided to do our own thing and basically said, screw you to God and his ways, that God still pursued us. Not only did he not abandon us, he pursued us. He came after us undaunted, uh, just determined never to let us go, even when we ran from him. And the proof of that is in the cross, right? God became man to rescue us. He died for us. Like Even when we were unfaithful to God, he continues to be faithful to us. So how does that encourage you? I think first... Uh, is knowing that when transitions and when life seems sort of shaky, that he won't abandon you, right? On the cross, we see that God didn't abandon us and that he's not about to start doing that to us. So let's say you're going off to college, right, Um, for for you freshmen. Some of you um, are going to be concerned about your friendships, right? Like, am I going to connect with people? Are people going to like me? Are they going to hate me? Is my roommate going to be a jerk? Right? Am I going to lose my connections with my friends back home? Right? And, And here's where looking back is so important. It's like, how has God been faithful to you in the past? How has God provided for you? If you look at your life now, it's like, he's given you friends in the past. He's given you a community in the past. It's like, why wouldn't he continue to do that? Right? In fact, right now in the summer, he has given you a community. Soma is here for you. Freshman book club is going to be a thing for you. This is a time to invest and to build into those relationships and that, those friendships that'll be here when you leave and when you come back, right? Or let's say you're looking for a job, right? and it seems that God doesn't have what's best in mind for you. Like, you're applying and applying and applying, and you're not getting a job anywhere, so it's like, is God going to be faithful and provide for you? It sure doesn't look like it. But Jesus tells us, look at the flowers of the field. They don't work, they don't toil, and still I dress them beautifully. Right? And how much more is God going to take care of you who are made in his image? Right? More importantly, it's like, look at the gospel. He provided for your eternal salvation. For your eternal salvation. How much more can he provide for a job? Like if you can trust him to take care of creation, if you can trust him to take care of your salvation, you can trust him to get you a job at Chick-fil-A, okay? Um, (laughs) For all 20 of you Chick-fil-A workers in here. All right, so this is your fill-in. Peter tells us, look back to God's faithfulness. Look back to God's faithfulness. Now, I want you to do something. Um, Remember what you shared with your neighbor? Now, I want you to think for a moment. How has God's faithfulness to you in the past, how does that encourage you when thinking about your transition in the present? How does God's faithfulness to you in the past encourage you about thinking about your transition in the present? You don't have to answer that, but it's something to to walk away with and think about later, all right? Okay, so uh, I mentioned that I'm going through some transitions too, and I thought picking school was going to be the hardest one, um, the hardest decision this year, Uh, but now I was wrong. Like I I have some bigger transitions uh, to figure out. This full-time ministry has been such a huge part of my identity and who I am. For the past five years, I've done this day in and day out right but now i'm transitioning out of that and transitioning into only doing this a, a few days if that a, a week and it's not just hard for me like it's it's hard and it's scary for my family as well like i don't have a clue like what my future holds i don't know what options and opportunities the lord is going to set before me and when i think about it like the first thing that comes to my mind is that scene in indiana jones in the temple of doom which is the good one, not, not the last one. Um, and it's this so-called leap of faith. Why don't you guys go ahead and turn your eyes to the screen. All right. That's, that's, what, that, this what, that's what this feels like. It's like uh-huh. transition, right? Like I know there's this way forward, um, and I know like it's, it's there, but from my perspective, like I don't see what that way forward is. Like, I know that there's this treasure at the end of the temple, to use that sort of metaphor, Well, um, I know there's something really awesome, like, up ahead in the future, because God's planning it for me, right? Uh, but getting there is actually really overwhelming, and it's quite scary, and, and you probably feel the same way about some of the changes in your life, too. You may even feel that way about some of the changes in Soma, right? Like, there's this excitement, something new is coming, something awesome, uh, something brand new, get it? something brand new. Um, And I have no clue what that is, right? So what does Peter tell us in these times? He says, this is your second fill-in, look ahead to the glory that awaits. Look ahead to the glory that awaits. Um, So now the glory that Peter's talking about here is specifically the glory that believers will experience with Christ after death. See, after death, we're going to get these awesome, brand-new resurrection bodies, and we're going to share in Christ's glory and his new creation. Uh, but that glory isn't something that you need to wait till you die to begin to experience, right? It's something that you can actually get a taste of. Now, it's sort of like an appetizer. You know what appetizers are actually supposed to do? Exactly, make you more hungry, right? They're supposed to stoke your appetite. They're supposed to make you hungrier— they're supposed to make you hungrier for the real meal, right? And that's what glory's like, right? If new creation is the actual main course, then uh, our life now is like the boneless buffalo wings of heaven, okay? Um, so good. Something better awaits, right? Just original. Just original, okay? No flavors. Except maybe mango habanero if you're a buffalo wild wings. That's. The spot right there. Anyway, so, um, so God has a glorious plan for your life now. It's not like you have to wait till you die to experience that. Like it's now. So when I first went to grad school in 2010, um, I originally went in very confused. Right, I went to Fuller. Uh, I wanted to do missions, so I enrolled in the intercultural studies program. Um, but I also knew that one day I wanted to do Christian philosophy because I loved uh, that in undergrad. So I figured out, like, hey, if I'm going to do Christian philosophy, um, I need a solid foundation in theology, so I'm going to study theology, and I also want to do ministry. But in my confused, like, little brain, there was no way that, like, all of these things could combine and actually make a career. Philosophy, theology, ministry, missions, there's, like, no job that, like, combines all of those things. And I knew that, like, eventually one day I'd have to let go of some of those things, But the fact is that letting go of your passions and your desires is a really hard thing to do. But obviously God's plan was greater than my own, and never in a million years could I have come up with a way to actually combine my passions into something uh, that is actually a thing. But That's exactly what God did. So along comes this program at Fuller, this brand new program called Analytic Theology for Spiritual Formation, very complex sort of name. Uh... But the crazy thing is that literally a new field of study was invented, right, that combines all of these passions. Like how crazy is that? Like I could have never in a million years dreamed up of something like this. But that's exactly what the Lord did. God's plan for my transition was way better than mine. It reminds me of Jeremiah 29, 11, where God says, I know the plans I have for you. This is probably something you guys have memorized to prosper you not to harm you to give you hope and a future right and i know that that for you guys as well the transitions you're about to walk into are going to lead you into something a lot more glorious than you could have ever come up with on your own right so transitions uh, there are times to overcome fear with god alongside of you there are times to dive deeper in the community and to lean into others Right? There are time to build new relationships, there are time to find a new purpose in the sense of how God has put a call on your life. Right? Those are the end goals of transition. And all of those things are a lot more glorious than what you started with. Right? Transition always leads to growth. So um, we've talked a little bit about thriving in transition. So what does that actually look like for you? I want to give you two really quick sort of tips. Um, Two things, practical steps, as we wrap things up, okay? The first thing uh, that you need to do, if you're going to thrive in transition, is to position yourself to listen. It's your fill-in. Position yourself to listen. See, earlier tonight, um, I asked you guys to meditate for like three seconds on God's faithfulness to us in the past. But like in reality, that's not enough. Like you can't meditate for, like, 10 seconds and, like, have your issues or whatever solved, right? That takes time. So, you know, uh, there are three things in our culture or that our culture is allergic to. First is silence. Second is slowness. And the third is gluten, okay? Um, Real talk, though. um, Gluten is a major problem, and whichever presidential candidate can, like, promise to solve the problem of gluten, they have my vote, okay? Um, kidding. Uh, no, they can't do that, Hojin. Oh my gosh. I will silence my mouth. Okay. Uh, so, okay, yeah, yeah. Like, real talk, though. Like, our culture hates silence, right? Like, we, we try to fill every moment with, with noise or stimulation. Imagine driving around for a full week. Try even a day. With no music. Hard, right? right? Or slowness, even worse. Like our, we live such fast-paced lives. It's like fast food, fast cars, fast internet, fast pass at Disney. Can't wait. All right. Both silence and slowing down are crucial to our walks with God. Right? And to make it through transition, you need to create that space and that time and that silence where you can actually really look back and reflect on the ways that God has been present in your life and the patterns of God's action in your life. Okay, second, just as difficult, you need to be willing to take risks. You need to be willing to take risks. Uh, so you guys remember the movie 300? Yeah? <clears throat> Some of you guys in here are like, that movie changed my life. <laughs> the movie changed my life. Um, well, the, the tagline for 300 was prepare for glory, which was really like prepare for death. Because all of them died, um, but but the fact is that, like, spoiler alert. Okay, um, go read a history book. Uh, so uh, so really it was essentially prepared to die. But the thing is that their death was actually their glory, right? And to get that glory, they had to put it all on the line, right? And to get that glory in life, you have to take risks. And the funny thing is, nobody remembers the people who didn't take risks. Right? Nobody remembers the guy who shot 75% of his free throws during the regular NBA season. Everybody remembers Derek Fisher who hit that, uh, that last sec- four, four, second? 0. 0. 0. 0. four second buzzer shot. He, he, he risked it all. He took a shot. right? Nobody remembers people who play it safe. They remember the ones who risk it all. Right? People who don't take risks, they don't get glory. Right? And your personal transitions are you going to play it safe or are you going to take? those risks, and step out into the ways that God is calling you to do. Here at SOMA, like, are we going to take new risks? Are we going to be willing to try new things, to do things that we might not be exactly comfortable with, or to think in ways that we haven't thought before? Are we just going to play it safe, right? Because glory awaits, even for us here at SOMA, right? And it's only when all of us, together, actually decide that we're going to take risks, for God's glory, that we're going to see him do some awesome things in here. Right? When we decide that we're going to be bold, that we're going to try new things, that we're going to share the gospel, that we're going to invite friends, right? it's when we do all of those things that we'll see God work in amazing ways. Right? So the point of all of this is that in your own life and in transition, God wants to do something brand new in you. Right? But that transition that, that opportunity for newness is an opportunity for transition. So are you guys gonna do what it takes to do transition well? All right, let's uh, go ahead and pray. Father God, um, I just thank you, God, that you, you essentially took a risk. God, that you sent your son Jesus to die for us God, that was really the riskiest thing that could be done. That was really the biggest transition that (coughs) has ever happened. God becoming man, all because you loved us. God, as we just think about your faithfulness to us in the past, God, just encourage us. Remind us that you never abandon us. Remind us you're, you're with us when we step into the unknown. God give us courage, give us boldness, give us the faith to transition well. We Praise in Jesus name. Amen.